Welcome to the CCUPC Cutting Room Floor, where we try to connect Sunday to the weekday. I'm Pastor James. And I'm Pastor Dina. This week, we're taking a deeper dive into Mark 2, which has Jesus interacting with a number of different people, though he's mainly interacting with religious leaders. Uh, Pastor Dina, this is... I set out a pattern of action and response to try to help people navigate this passage. Um, otherwise, it does feel like a bunch of loosely connected things where just Jesus annoys people. Yeah. So um, I was wondering, you know, how did you hear? Um, how did you hear it through the the action response pattern? What did you get from it? Um, did that connect with the the main idea I was trying to drive to? It did. This is the. Through the action action and response, we start to really get a sense of who Jesus is because we we talked about his coming onto the scene, his baptism, his calling the disciples, and then now we're really starting to see the beginning of his ministry. And um, Jesus doesn't act the way we necessarily would expect. And, and really, from the very beginning, he doesn't, but... Yeah. We're really starting to see, wait a minute, maybe this isn't what we thought. And and really, Jesus starts to reveal, maybe it's so much more. And we see that right off the bat in this chapter with the healing of the, um, the paralytic, but not healing him by saying, hey, you're healed, but by saying your sins are forgiven, which I'm sure caused a gasp and murmurs among the crowd thinking oh, sure the yeah i mean uh, that it's even recorded here who has the authority to do that who does he who does this guy think he is yeah great question <laughs> yeah. who do you think you are god uh, well actually yeah let me tell you um yeah no that's um that's very accurate and and he it does cause problems and it's funny because um when you think about the the issue, it's it's not magic words, it's not magic incantations, but a healing really deals with the brokenness of our world, mm-hmm. and 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 saying your sins are forgiven deals with the brokenness, the root cause of brokenness in our world. Yeah. As I said in the sermon, not a one to one ratio. It's not like he he lied or he you know I I don't even know. Yeah, I'm I'm ha- struggling to come up with sin right now. <laughs> But uh, yeah, exactly. Um, You know, he didn't think ill of of someone. Yeah. Yeah. It's not as if he, I think the the example used in the sermon, it's not as if he cheated on his taxes and then immediately was paralyzed as a result. Um, Yeah. And and to think, I guess some of the, some of the nuance I see in this is, you know, Jesus kind of saying to say you're healed take your mat and walk is really is not dealing with the actual problem here it's not dealing with the brokenness in the world it's it's not dealing with the root cause it it would be you know if if you went in to the hospital with a broken leg and they're like all right well you know here's a band-aid here's a band-aid it'll be fine um it's not it didn't do anything to heal the root cause or you know you go in with with stomach pain and they're like here's an antacid like well that might make the symptom a little bit better but it doesn't get at why i'm in this position to begin with right right um yeah and that's uh, you know jesus is 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 he's saying things 
because he wants to reveal that that's actually the issue. He's saying things because he wants people to know, like, this is what your problem is. Your problem isn't a that you're paralyzed from the waist down. Your problem is you live, you exist in a world that is fraught with brokenness, mm-hmm. and I've come to fix that. Just as I mean, largely as you talked about in in your sermon as well last week. Yeah. That that Jesus has a particular reason why he is coming to it. And Mark gets to that really, really quickly. Yeah. And he gets to it right off the bat. And with this idea of revealing that the true problem is sin, we see that all the way back in chapter one, because John calls the whole nation to repentance. And and that mm-hmm. would have been, and to be baptized and to be cleansed. And that in itself indicates what the nation, nature of Israel is. And so this is kind of a, a continuation of that. Ordinarily, it would have just been the the people who had been defiled in some way had come in contact with blood or, or whatever, or yeah. the priests who were preparing to do rituals or people who had converted who would be called to bathe and clean ritually, which is what baptism is, especially in this situation. But John says to everyone, like, the whole nation of Israel needs to come and present themselves for baptism. And so right there we see, wait, the whole nation needs to repent mm-hmm. and and come back. And this I see this as a continuation of that, of of kind of really drawing drawing that out that this sin has affected everything. So you're making me remember that during my writing of this sermon, I really was considering how punchy I wanted to be with some of this because Jesus is really quite forthright Mm -hmm. in these three different areas about who he is and what the implications are of his coming. And so, uh, because I think that this could be pretty, um, these passages could be pretty, pretty condemning of the church. Um, you know, Jesus is, is, he is taking the religious leaders right on, even though they're not giving him the same courtesy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he is using his divine side to to read into their hearts and to understand what they're thinking. But I mean, you know, they're they're watching to see what he does, and he is again, he is going to interact with the people who are least loved, the social outcasts, the the people viewed as traitors, the people that that would be. Um, in their words, unclean, and mm-hmm. probably in our words, undesirable. Yeah. Um, people that that wouldn't advance Jesus's cause in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. And that's so surprising on so many levels, because one, he eats with these people that no one wants to be around, and no one wants to be associated with, and does it with with ease and comfort and grace and welcome that that even today even even on our best days when we reach out to the undesirables as you call them you know the people who don't smell good who are experiencing homelessness who are hungry or dealing with mental health issues you know we often do that with a level of discomfort and mm-hmm. you know even if even if we're faithful faithful enough to do it which which I'm not downplaying for most of us, that's not an easy place to be. It costs oh, us something. So an example to what you are saying here is, um, so my previous church, we um, we went down to the, 
the city rescue mission mm-hmm. every week and fed uh, people at the at the at the rescue mission. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what that the the barrier between the kitchen and the dining room might as well have been the Berlin Wall mm-hmm. because it, you know you didn't go out there and interact with the, those people. Yeah. Um, and even people who had done it for years found it difficult to interact with the residents of of the the rescue mission mm-hmm. um, and kind of made it a goal for themselves to sit with some. I mean, it was just hard. Um, and it makes me think of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, as we're coming up or at probably this will this will broadcast after MLK Day. Mm. But um, as we're coming up on on that, the fact that he said 11 o'clock on Sunday is probably the most segregated hour in America. Yeah. Um, and so we have to ask the question very, very pointedly, is the church comfortable with the people that Jesus is comfortable with? Mm-hmm. And and I think if we're honest with ourselves, the answer is not really that often. Yeah. That, that it does... And again, I know I know plenty of people who are so faithful in in their service, but it, it oh, does absolutely. it costs us something. Yes. Um and but but here, you know, Jesus is immediately at Levi's house eating dinner with him, which in the ancient Near East, that was a big deal to be in someone's home. Like more so than I think we even realize today, even though that's still kind of a big deal. At, at least I mean, we like to to invite people into our home, but we, we do it on our terms and um, with our own plans in mind. So to all of a sudden have Jesus saying, hey, follow me, and then immediately, as Mark likes to say, be in mm. Levi's house, you know, that shows an ease, a comfort that that is hard to pin down. I mean, do we bring out the fact that it's not just a private dinner either? Right. Like, G- either Jesus said invite people or Levi was like like hey you got to meet this guy yeah seriously um either way I mean Jesus is a, is attractive enough to these people to bring them around him and he's comfortable enough with with the people with Levi's comp- company that that there's no record of him being trying to cut out there's no record of him being uncomfortable there's no record of him uh, just having any sort of problems with this situation. Yeah, and really, at least at least in th- this text, he doesn't even chastise them or try and change them from from who they are. You know, he simply says, "Follow me," and it's the other people then who are like, "Whoa, why is he eating with th- these people?" Jesus doesn't have a problem with it. It's the it's the outside people that are like tax collectors and sinners. What in the world? Why are you doing that? Um, and Jesus's response is, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so even though Jesus knows that they need to change in, in ways bigger than they can even fathom, that's not a part of the story here. Jesus doesn't immediately sit down and say, okay, if you're going to be in my presence here, the 12 things you're going to need to do, give up the tax collecting, you know, stop with the, the, this and that. And he just, comes and is with them and has has dinner so that brings up the question you know what's and we can ask it for our community but it's really any community who are the people in our community that are the the persona non grata or who are the people that are other than us who are the people that are you know that 
we get uncomfortable with in the same room uh, when we're there together. Um, I know when I lived in Illinois, in in Rock Island, it was um, uh, there was a big divide west of I think it was Eleventh Eleventh Street um, and south of the hill, uh, below the hill. There was mm. below the hill and above the hill, mm. um, or on the hill, um, and there were some big there were some big sociological differences between those areas. Um, and you know, and it's, it's sad, but what would uh, a church look like that is actually actively engaging those areas? Yeah, I think, and this is a hard question, especially for our community where we're situated, but if you expand, you know, beyond, the the limits of our individual little township um we can identify places in in our city where people are like oh you know we don't go there after dark or or we only drive through there when we have to i think though i think a part of it is it's to stop viewing other people as those poor people over there and and really I think effective ministry, effective community with them is is to realize that that we're the same. Like that our economic mm. situations, our language situations, our housing situations might be di- different, but we're all beloved children of God. And that is something I see missing in in so many mission focuses that it's always about well, we're more fortunate, so we should serve the less fortunate. And and right there, it sets up a, a difference between mm. the groups. Yeah. Um, and that's a hard, I mean, that's more of a a heart thing and a mind thing and a language thing, the way we talk about other people. The, the, the outward ministry might still be the same, but when... When in our heads and in our hearts, we're saying, look how great I am. I went to the poor area of the city and served dinner or whatever the, you know, worked on a house, whatever. Um, we've, we've taken something away from, from these tax collectors and sinners and um, who are really no different than us in all the best ways and all the worst ways yeah. too. Uh, we might just have different effects of, our sins and our choices, but we're not inherently better than anybody else. I think you highlight a couple of important points about ministry and mission um, in this respect. First of all, <clears throat> our natural inclination is to huddle together with people of of like mind. Mm-hmm. And so we actually have to work. We, we have to be driven towards those people in love. Mm-hmm. It's an intentional effort. Um, and so... Um, in love and not just as a means of making ourselves feel good. Correct. Yes. Yeah. We have to have, uh, we have to have true compassion, mm-hmm. um, for people to move towards them and to enter into their situation. And, and that brings me to the second point that you kind of highlight here is that there's a difference between ministry done to someone and ministry done with someone. Right. And, and what you're saying is that when we do ministry to people and then come back and we're like, oh, Oh man, it was hard, but, uh-huh. but, uh, yeah, I, yes. yeah. Or even just, man, it was hard, but we got it done. Yeah. Um, with no continuing relationship, that's a problem, problem. Or I mean, the worst situation that, that actually had, like we got it done and they didn't even thank us, you know? Right. Um, and, and that's, 
I mean, they're, uh, yeah. uh, but it goes to the, the relationship part of our mission statement mm-hmm. to expand Christ's community through worship, relationship, and discipleship is that, that Jesus here demonstrates that he came to, yes, he came to redeem. Like mm-hmm. we, we don't want to, but he also came to build a relationship that mm-hmm. had been fractured since Genesis three. Um, yeah. because he gave, you know, the, the father and the son and the Holy spirit had given through the law, a means towards us rebuilding that relationship and we couldn't figure it out. And that's, you know, that was the, the difficulty of going through the old Testament. I mean, if you felt like it was a slog, like I did, mm-hmm. like it that was. was the purpose is to say, yeah, we tried it again. We failed again. Um, and not only did we fail, but like any bright spots die out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. Cause I certainly don't mean to imply that, that Jesus said, Oh, you're fine. Whatever you do is fine. Like everything is good. You know, he definitely calls them to change, but he does that after that relationship is in place, yes. after they've followed him, after they understand his heart and his purpose a bit more, even though, I mean, they never, even the best among them never fully get it, but, but it's not, these weren't conditions for following Jesus. They were a result of following Jesus. That, that's a great explanation of that because that's, you know, otherwise you're right. He would have had, okay, I'm going to come to your house, but please make sure that, um, you know, you take out the trash and mm-hmm. please make sure that you keep the riffraff out and keep it under wraps. Mm-hmm. And please make sure that your family puts on their best clothes for the day because I'm coming. Yeah. And if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to quit your job and, you know, you're going to have to clean up your act. And that's not the Jesus we see. I think, you know, something else remarkable, too, about the fact that he sits and eats with the most undesirable. If if you wanted to spread an ideology, a religion, a faith, a message, these are not the people you would have started with. No. At all. Um, which I don't think should be overlooked because it's so often that is our our motive that I mean we like how can how can we get the message out about the church how can we attract people how can we how can we get people that are going to bring other people with them and and that wasn't the way Jesus operated at all you know and and if we go to Luke on that actually when Jesus sends out the 72 he asks them to look for a person of peace mm. um and Presbyterian churches don't ever talk about this yep. because it's 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 too holy spirity yeah. for for our taste. But we don't get it. We don't like it. Ah. Yeah, but there's there's this concept of the person of peace that you're to go, and it doesn't say that they are the most popular. It doesn't mm-hmm. say they're a town leader, but it's someone on whom God's peace rests, and and through that person, you then gain access to others. Um, and you gain a hearing from others. Um, and so like the lesson from Luke that can be brought into this is that we are to be looking for a person of peace and recognizing that that person is not any of the qualifications that we would look for would be like Samuel looking at Jesse's son saying, nope, nope, nope. Yeah. Um, don't you have any other sons? Because all the ones that look like they should be a king aren't the king. Yeah. Um, because God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the things that we, we look at. Yeah. So uh, that's to bring that idea in that, that we are to look for people 
but it's to be on the Holy Spirit's terms, not on ours, which leads us to some places that we probably wouldn't lead ourselves. Yeah, and it and it it's another reminder that it's not always the people we would assume, and that connects with the next passage where John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting and said, you know, why, Jesus, why aren't your disciples fasting? Why aren't they doing the right thing? Oh, we're going to talk about some church traditions? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah, this, and again, I was very, I thought, how far do I push this? Because this could hurt very badly, particularly, I want to say particularly to the greatest generation, particularly to the boomer generation, maybe not as much X, certainly not as much millennial, um, although millennials find... Um, you know, a lot of, um, a lot of value in the high church traditions. Mm -hmm. But what Jesus seems to be saying here is that, that, um, you know, just because there's a tradition doesn't mean that it ought to be followed, but his presence matters more than, than the traditions. And so, and, and, and how he relates to his disciples. And so like, as I looked at this, I mean, what are the things that we hold on to as traditions that prevent people from coming to Jesus because they just can't even get close to him through those things? I mean, mm-hmm. that was the thing that was coming through my head. Yeah. Um, and there is so much Yeah. that I think in the church, we have just built up this religious structure mm-hmm. um, that... No one really wants to, I don't want to say no one, but we have built a religious structure that a lot of the younger generations are like, I don't want a structure. I want a genuine faith. Mm -hmm. I want to know the person that this is all about. I want to know that there is a purpose and that there is a, a, a reason for my existence and that I can know the God who's behind all that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it's hard. And again, I know as we've said in past podcasts, I I genuinely believe that at least most of the things that we hold on to are because they were they were effective at some point, they were special to someone mm-hmm. at some point. Um I mean, I'm sure that isn't true for for everything. There were some things that were never effective, but <laughs> but they were, you know, someone put a lot of time and energy and planning and um and really kind of hooked their comfort level to, okay, now I know what to expect. And so it's hard to give those things up. It's hard when the worship service changes. Yeah, I think about it not all that long ago, the Walmart here completely rearranged all their shelves and it's so frustrating because people lose their minds i nearly lost my mind like wait (laughs) i need to get in and get this and get out and now nothing is where i need to be and the app's not updated yet and this is not how i plan to spend my night um because i you know i knew what to expect i knew where they usually kept the bread flour and now it's in row 12 instead of row 17 or whatever it was um but we you know we we establish, we know what to expect. And it, to some degree, it allows us to to disengage. You know, I can walk mm-hmm. into the store, walk right to what I need, grab it and get back out without actually consciously thinking about anything related to the store. I mean, my mind can be wandering elsewhere. And I think, 
I think that's part of why we why we love tradition so much. I know what to expect. I don't have to expend that much energy figuring out when we sit down and when we stand up. And and I think we saw that a little bit when we when we changed up the service for Christmas Eve. Like there was kind of a level of angst, like, do we stand up now? We're singing. We usually stand up when we sing. Should we stand up? But it doesn't say stand up. Maybe we should sit. I don't know. Um, and it, you know, it was just a brief, just a brief flash, but, but you could feel yeah. that like, wait, things are different. Ah, what do we do? Um, yeah. And you, yeah. you certainly can't change everything all the time, but by the same token, what happens in tradition then to kind of what you're talking about, even with Walmart, is that mm-hmm. the value of efficiency comes out. Yeah. And, and what we start to value is the efficiency of it rather than the way that it connects us to Jesus. Right. And, and the fact that I don't have to actually engage because my body knows what to do. It knows when to stand up and when to sit down. And I know what, what words to say, even if I don't have to consciously think about what it means to say thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Like, Although I have to think about sins. Yeah. And those who sin against us every single week. I was a debts and debtors. I'm a good Scott, Scott Irish Presbyterian. Yeah. We were debts and debtors for probably my first 12 years here. Wow. It, I mean, so it's, so it's, that's relatively, it's new. relatively new um, to the point where, you know, for years I had to write it. In my, I mean, it's still written in my notes, just in case. Well, it's written in, you um, see my notes, yeah. you say it's written in there. Um, but even prior to us sharing notes, I would write it out just because yeah. that's my deepest fear. Actually, one of my first weeks here, I totally botched up the Lord's Prayer. It was great. Not at all. But, <laughs> but yeah, it's yeah. It, the, the value of efficiency comes out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how can I get in, get out? do my time, have, check the box, check the box. Yeah. And that way, then my relationship with God is, is tended for the week and I can go about other things. Um, or even during the service, oh, then I don't even have to think about it. I can be thinking about my lunch plans or I can mm-hmm. be thinking about my grocery list when I'm at, and, and what I want to get back to is that's not what our younger generations are looking for. They're saying, wait a minute, if I'm going to be present in this moment, I want to be present in this moment and I yeah. want to know there's something real behind it. Yeah. That it's not smoke and mirrors, that it's not a bunch of traditions that don't have a a real core to them. Um, it, it, like a giant oak that is, it, that is rotted out from the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that's, Jesus is really... I mean, he, he's really taking a punch. And we're a mainline established church. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're going to be, despite the fact that we're only 40 years old, we're still 40 years old and he's taken a, a, a swipe in a lot of ways yeah. at us because we've developed traditions in 40 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think they have to just be related to worship. I mean, we kind of, we substitute any number of things for actual engagement and actual thought you know like well i i served this many hours doing this so i'm a faithful christian but in in the midst of that when that's our focus and i and i see it not necessarily just in this church uh, but you know across my experience that that service becomes a way and and the traditions that we have around service and activities become a way to help us to think not have to think too deeply about our actual faith and our and the, our actual human condition and 
our actual devotion and and where where I don't even want to say where Jesus fits in because that's kind of the opposite of what I mean that mm. that and you know it's not where does Jesus fit into us going to the the city mission and and serving but how does my faith in Jesus compel me to do that how yeah. does my faith in Jesus affect or change how I serve or what my mindset is and again the outward product might be the same no one may sure. know the difference in your head but it's it's hard to put jesus in in his rightful place above everything instead of just adding jesus into everything else that we have and do well that gets the analogy i used the one time that jesus isn't just an app on our computer Mm -hmm. he's actually the operating system that makes everything else work yeah um you know and and what you're saying is right it's it's there may not be a difference between a christian in fact a a some christians i would expect are on a terms of a morality scale are actually behind some non-christians who have a good moral compass within mm-hmm. their head you know the 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 natural moral the common grace yeah kind of, the common yeah. grace whereas there are some christians that are are going to struggle with with some of those some of the morality issues mm-hmm. um and and so it's it's going to work itself out it doesn't mean that you know oh i'm instantly whatever i'm instantly better that's not the case you're actually admitting that you're broken and that you need some different way that that mm-hmm. all your pursuits are empty um and and i think the younger generations understand that better because the because things have been our world has been trash for a few years now yeah. like the hope of like the hope of uh, the 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 traditions of getting a job and having it better than your parents yeah th- th- that's not there so there must be something different uh and they're open to the idea that that the th- what we have been selling is not the the only bill of goods out there mm-hmm. but there actually might be something far different and far greater yeah um and they want to know that far different and far greater let me let me give one other thought that's been rolling mm-hmm. around Go up here and i think the litmus test as to whether um not the litmus test i don't want to say it that way but i think a good let me phrase it this way one of my favorite uh moments in the church here is the singing of silent night mm. on uh, christmas eve fantastic moment mm-hmm. um but the question I have have to ask myself is, would I be willing to give that up now and forevermore if it meant that someone came to Jesus and knew Jesus? Mm. And I think that's what our our ministries have to to center themselves around mm-hmm. is, you know, if giving this up meant that someone had a relationship with Jesus Christ, would I be willing to give that up? Yeah. Yeah, and as we as we think about our worship services, as we think about the use of our building, as we think about the things that we hold dear and the things that serve us, I think that's a good question. You know, paired with the idea of how does this help others to know Jesus? I mean, and that really how to you know, to put it in our in terms of our mission statement, how does this expand Christ's community? And if the answer is, I don't know, then there's more work to be done. 
Yeah. Because often, because I would guess that oftentimes if we don't know, but we're doing it, we're doing it because we like it, mm-hmm. not because it advances the, the mission. Yeah. Or we feel a sense of obligation. Um, someone somewhere told us this was the, the right thing to do or, you know, well, churches are involved in this. So this is what we do. Mm, that's a good point. Um, that religious structure that we build. Yeah. And- Which probably goes back to somewhere someone liked it and made it an institution in the church. Yeah. Or like you you have pointed out a number of times, it helped a mm-hmm. certain people for a certain amount of time, but its time has come and gone. Um, and, and the unchanging gospel needs to be reinterpreted in a new way. Yeah. I know I have a friend that joked that, you know, in the especially in the mainline Protestant church, you know, you do it once, it's a one-off. You do it twice, it's a tradition for all time. That, you yeah. know, that churches... <laughs> jump very quickly into well we've done it twice so we have to do it till jesus comes back that's just the way it has to be that we we are not good at seeing we're not good at shepherding new things in and shepherding old things out and really evaluating their um their effectiveness and I know, you know, and I love Vacation Bible School. I have a love-hate relationship with it. But I know that is one ministry that that often gets picked on. That is that mm, yeah. in our area, I'm confident that it is still a ministry worth doing. We always get, you know, tens of, of kids, you know, do- dozens of kids, over 100. We, you know, we have a good reputation in the area. So, um, but I know other churches put all this time and effort into it for five kids six yeah. kids and and you do you have to ask like why are why are we doing this is this the, if only six kids from our community are there only six kids in our community is this right. really what the community needs i'm not sure um and we're not good at those kinds of evaluating kinds of questions and saying is this really the most effective way to expand Christ's community and you know we've we've of course picked relationship discipleship and worship as our guiding headers meaning that you know eventually we want everything ccupc does to to expand christ community in one of those ways and for every church those are going to be different and nuanced and you know similar but different and that's okay but um i mean we don't want to be wasting our time with something that's not actually going to make an impact in people's lives right right and and you know, you, you bring up a good point that if the, if the data shows that that um, if the data show that that you're not reaching an area and you should be, then then you need to reevaluate. For example, like you're saying, if you have a VBS that reaches six kids a year, but in your in your town, in your city, in your municipality, you find out that that um, you know nineteen twenty percent of the population is below the age of eighteen, mm-hmm. then you've got to go. Hmm. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. This is a problem. Um, similarly, uh, in our context, Butler County, Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. um, uh, in the the religious uh, survey of religious, uh, whatever, I looked it up. I, I was on it. Um, uh, if I had it, the website in front of me, I could think of it. But the, the religious census, basically. Mm. Um, 53, is that Barna? No, it's no, not. Different. It's uh, I think it's put out by... It'll come to me, okay. but um, the Nazarenes—that's who mm. who does it. Um, but in the religious census, census, um, 
like Butler County, 53% of people in Butler County adhere to some form of religion, mm. which means that 47% of, of Butler County does not hear, adhere to any religion whatsoever. If the people within our church, if the people within our congregation only know 100%, only 100% of their social circles are Christian, then we have done something wrong yeah. to equip the people of God to actually engage the world. And we have become a, a silo, mm-hmm. um, antithetical to what Jesus does in this passage. Yeah. Um, and so we've got to look at those numbers and say, well, are, are roughly half your friends non-Christians? Yeah. I, that's a hard question. Or I'd have to think. Or yeah. roughly half the people that you know, non-Christians. Um. And that's, I mean, that's a question that we have to grapple with. Yeah. Um, because probably if, not for me. I n- mean, well, and if yeah. if it gets higher, if it's you know ninety percent of my friends are Christians, ninety five percent of my cr- friends are Christian. I know this one person. Mm-hmm. Then the reality is that we are we have closed ourselves off to the very ministry of the church to which we are called. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jesus. Jesus gives the task of discipleship in Matthew 28 to all believers. We had a meeting recently, and and I've heard this before from people that they don't feel like they're a teacher. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they don't feel like they're called to teach other people. But Jesus has called us all to be disciples mm-hmm. and to disciple other people. Um, you don't have to have a degree in education in order to do that. But uh, he he very clearly here is is saying that that we have the responsibility and that that traditions need not should not get in the way of being in community with him mm-hmm. um when the choice is between the tradition and him yeah and then and then when we are in these silos then we kind of wring our hands and say why isn't anyone coming to church why is the church dying why it's because we haven't expanded ourselves it's because we haven't turned our minds Outward, I know even in a conversation um, earlier this week, you know, someone remarked, man, the last few new members classes in our church have have not been people who are new to the faith. And, you know, they've been transfers from other churches or, um, you know, I moved and so I'm looking for a new church or I'm unhappy with my church. And so I moved churches and of course we are, are glad to have all the anyone who wants to join with us or yeah. any church. I mean, we celebrate, especially know. if you move to the area, right? Like that's a, that's a totally legitimate way of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, of transfer I need growth. to be careful cause I'm not, I'm not slamming that at all, but I think it's, it's telling. And my guess is if we looked at new members classes around Cranberry township and around, you know, our area that, that it's similar, that we're not really, we're not drawing in new people. It's the great shifting of the sheep. Yeah. And I have to be careful the way I say that. Yeah. Yeah, that I know. As I say that, it sounds it sounds more negative than I mean it. And again, you know, I'm I'm so glad for anyone that chooses to uh, to join with us and and any church. But no, you- I, but I think I mean as we wring our hands and saying why is the church dying? It's because we're not asso- on a on a on our social levels and everywhere else we're not associating with people who think differently than us yeah and and exactly what you are saying is what the the christian thought leaders and the christian research 
is pointing out is that the fact that the churches that are growing are the ones that are going to these communities. They're the ones that are Mm -hmm. ministering out to, they're being incarnational is the word. And that's what Jesus is talking about. He lived with people. He lived with the people, very people he, he wanted to call. Mm -hmm. Um, And so he, you know, that's, that's incarnation taking on flesh. We tried coming to him. It didn't work. He came to us Mm -hmm. and that worked far better. And so the churches that are growing are being incarnational. Um, they are engaging with people. They are accepting people's messiness yeah. and recognizing this is a broken world. They're not leaving them there by any means. There's deep transformation going on, but they're not scared by people's messiness. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, as we've said before, that's something we have to work really hard to do, to enter into the mess with other people. And again, boundaries are good and, you know, self-care and, and knowing knowing how far you can walk with someone is good. But to really, to really be Christ-like, we have to put up with a lot more mess than we're typically willing to, to do and not be scared away by the way other people struggle or the way that other people sin or the way that other people think that might be different than us. Um, you know, we, we joked as we were getting ready for this podcast, um, you know, Jesus ate with sinners and tax collectors who thought differently than him, who had a different perspective, different lifestyle. And, you know, our answer in the church is, oh, no, we can't be in, in a church with people who they think differently than us. We'll just start a whole new denomination. Yeah. You know, um, we're not good at at tolerating other people. And I don't like that word, tolerate. Um, but no, but in its, in its, yeah, in its truest form, we're not, we're not good at, at living in the tension of, we disagree on this or, you know, I don't, I don't think the life choices you're making are the right ones, but I love you anyway, or, you know, you're hard to love, but I'm going to, I'm going to love you anyway. Yeah. So just, I Googled it very, very quickly, uh, Center for the Study of Global Christianity, um, which you had uh, Gina Zerlo oh, from yeah. there. She was great. Actually in at the New Wilmington Missionary Conference, Missions Conference, right? It's New not, Wilmington Mission Conference. Mission it's no conference. longer missionary because it's for everyone. So. Right, exactly. Um, July. July. 19th. This year. <laughs> it starts on July 19th. Wait, I just left my line, but yeah, July no, no, 19th. No. So if anybody but anyway, wants to come. Yeah, know. you had Gina Zerlo in from uh, Center of... Um, the study of global Christianity, um, they report that there are more than 45,000 Christian denominations in the world. Yeah. I mean, Holy cow. that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Considering we got to what, what was it? 10, 1023 or something with just one. Is yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, but, um, what I, like to your point as an analogy, like, Christ is the great physician, but that makes his, us his nurses. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If you're a nurse, you better be ready to be puked on, yeah. bled on, slapped, hit, yeah, whatever. Having people's anger taken out on you. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, nurses don't get in there because because you can heal people in a very clean way. They mm-hmm. have to deal. And we've got a, quite a few nurses within our congregation. Yeah. Um. And, uh, you know, I, 
I think if you would be like, could I be a nurse without seeing some body fluid? Yeah. They'd be like, like uh, there's the door. Thanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think, I think if we want to understand what our role is as disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that, that you can be a disciple of Jesus Christ and see no, um, no sinful behaviors or mm-hmm. expect no dirtiness in your life just as a nurse can expect to see no bodily fluids. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. And sorry if that's kind of gross, but that's the reality. Yeah. And we have, I think we have cleaned Christianity up so much by, by through, through all the things that we, through all the behaviors that we've tried to control that, you know, that we forget that being a human can be so messy and so hard and that it's not all praise the Lord and answered prayers that, that there's heartbreak and there's struggle and there's sins that we're never going to get control of on this side of heaven. And, um, and people are going to battle in ways that, that blow our minds. And it's not just as easy as if it hurts you, stop doing it. Um, yeah. That, um, that, being with other people is hard being with the sinners and the tax collectors is hard and as you said messy and um difficult work that that as i said it it costs us something yeah um you know and i mean it even cost jesus i mean ultimately it cost him his life but Mm. but you know it cost him his reputation with the pharisees i mean he could have come in and and schmoozed the religious leaders and oh, got yeah. to know them and, and gotten into their good graces. He could have been a high priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not, that's not, that's not the kingdom. How, yeah. How he, he came to, to establish the kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the king, and that's the thing. Are we, like I said, it's going to take effort. It's going to take energy. Um, uh, the, the pastor at St. Aldate's in Oxford, England said that, a the church without any effort will grow more inward focused and older naturally. Mm-hmm. It takes effort to, to be outward focused. It takes effort to look at someone and say, you are going to kick, bite and scream. You're going to hit me. You're going to bleed on me. You're going to mm-hmm. do all this. And, but guess what? I'm going to walk with you and I'm going to love you. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and that's, I, those are, that's the type of, of, that is what discipleship is. It is not come and sit in a curated space and get a curated message mm-hmm. about rah, rah, look at us. But it is about going out and saying, you're going to be awful to me, but I'm going to love you because that's what Jesus does with me every single day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just about getting someone to to pray the right prayer, say the right things, and then check the box. It's an ongoing journey battle uh, I can't think of any other word but it, it but it's not it's not a one and done as you said it's not clean it's not curated it's not pre-programmed you know it's yeah. it's different for every person it's different for every every person who's discipling every person who's being discipled um, and, and something we're not gonna solve or complete or conquer until Jesus comes back that's right. That's right. So yeah, that's, um, Jesus doesn't act the way that people expect him to act. Yeah. That's what got cut. Okay. 45 minutes later. Yeah. <laughs> good, 
good stuff though. But it is. And I I challenging feel... stuff for the church. I mean, and you know, my fear in in talking is always going to think that someone out there, especially someone who goes to our church, is going to think oh, they're talking about me. And that is not no. That is not true at all. I mean. Well, in a certain sense, it's true about all of it. Right. Like, we are we are in a tradition that that Jesus is looking right at us, mm-hmm. and I think we've got to get over that that fear and say, you know what, Jesus, you're right. Yeah, and I think that's my my desire for the church. You know, as we head into a new year, as we head into new um, new projects and new um, steps of faithfulness, is that that more people would join us in saying how does this church expand Christ's community? How do we, how are we loving others? How are we growing the kingdom? And, and what does that mean for who we are and what we've been called to do? Yeah. And I, hopefully you can tell I'm really passionate about this too, Mm -hmm. because I think that in that work, what Jesus calls us to do in that work, we find the trans, uh, the transformation that Jesus promises, and we find out we find the life that He promises—a life that it was far more than what this world has to offer, mm-hmm. um, and that in Him, that the deepest longings of our hearts do find their fulfillment, mm-hmm. and that 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 nagging is this all there is, or what happens. If I don't, all of that finds its resolution in Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. In this life and the next. Yeah, for sure. So I'm very passionate about it. Um, I think Jesus makes a difference. I think he's all right. Yeah. I like him too. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yeah. I I don't know that there's any more we could say. I mean, there's oodles more we could say, but perhaps for this passage, that's enough to think about for, for this Metaphorical mic drop. Yeah. uh, Because I do not want to drop these mics. They are way too expensive. Yeah, true. true. (laughs) And and I don't think the church is going to spring for replacements. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, good conversation. Um, And, uh, you know, we would love for you to be a part of that conversation. Please email us, text us, uh, send a message. uh, Go ahead and find us at ccupc.org. Um, we're working on that website and, and, uh, but you can find our contact information on it. Yeah. Yeah. Check now and check back in about three weeks. Hopefully. hopefully Yeah. We'll have some, uh, some good updates for you. Yeah, absolutely. But we want you to be engaged. We want you to know the love of Jesus Christ and to know, uh, fulfillment that comes through, through Jesus Christ and then to be able to, to turn around and help expand that to other people, um, through relationship, through, through worship and through discipleship. So, um, yeah, our our prayers for you and and uh, still getting used to this new year. Yeah. So yeah, but we're like two weeks in already. That's right. Crazy. Crazy. All right. Well, I think that takes care of us for today. Uh, until next time, you know, we. Um, uh, I'm Pastor James, and I'm Pastor Dina, and we hope this helps you connect Sunday to the weekday.